0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood podcast. You may have found me through one of my three books, Mystical Motherhood, Fertile, or Alchemy of Becoming. Or you may have found me because you've worked with me before to conceive a child or clear any trauma before you have a baby or during your motherhood experience. And if you're just coming randomly upon this podcast, then you will will learn more about yourself through different spiritual teachers. You'll learn how to become a better mother through various teachers I bring on from all over the world that I think are very fascinating humans and always teach me a lot. And today, you're gonna to learn how you can track your cycle for better emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual well being. And there's obviously the way we can track our cycle is through an app. And then you can know when you can get pregnant or not, which is not what we talked about today, but happy to do an episode on that too, of the best times, you know, exactly how to track your cycle to improve your chances of conceiving. But there's also a reasoning to track your cycle is if you're having, you know, burnout, you're feeling exhausted, you don't, your energy is not matching where your menstrual cycle is. And sometimes your menstrual cycle, it's, it's heavy for certain reasons like if if you're having really heavy menstrual cycles or it could be because it's physiological and there are and there's things that can be done to balance that out to help you of course with a doctor or or nurse practitioner but then there's also just the emotional aspect of it and the clearing of the past that can really help you tap into your own power through your menstrual cycle. And it's really profound once you know how to track your menstrual cycle, what foods to eat that can improve it, um, that you begin to like tap into your soul and your well-being and how to become a better woman and mother and human because it's a part of every woman's life every single month. Yet we don't act like it is and we don't teach our children what it is and they don't know their own power through that bleeding. So there is an there's a lot of cycle coaches out there but I really love Sarah Stars. And you can find her at www.sarahstars.com with two r's and she helps particularly women that are mothers but also anyone reclaim their energy and you know work through emotional bone or burnout and personally track their cycle so that they can uniquely tap into their own power and their motherhood through the changes they go through every single month so that they don't feel tired and they have more energy and they can honor where they are. So in our conversation today, we talked about food, we talked about supplements, we talked about, you know, she has courses and and she helps women all over the world. Who feel like they could live a more fulfilling life without feeling like they're drowning in their own energy. And so I really didn't know a lot about this till years, you know, recent years. I mean, I knew about the cycle because of working in reproductive medicine, obviously, and you know, the hormones that are involved in that, but there's a spiritual side to it. And we really focused on the spiritual side. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope she Answered a lot of questions for you. And if there's any more, you can reach out to her at sarastars.com or you can reach out to me at mysticalmotherhood.com. All of my books are written under the name Pritam Atma. And if you want to work with me privately, please reach out to me uh, at mysticalmotherhood. You can DM me on Instagram or you can um, write me on mysticalmotherhood.com. I work with women all over the world that are wanting to conceive a child, that are having trouble in motherhood, that need spiritual help or healing of trauma i'm happy to help you have a great day and i hope you enjoy this podcast we'll have more coming but tell me about what you do and what you offer and how the passion began
1: Yeah, so I am a cycle coach for parents with periods, and I trained with cycle coach school, um, which is led by my friend and teacher Claire Baker. And really, um, so we like have connected via Lisa Lister, and she was really my gateway into all of this work because I was living in London and England at the time. Um, and went to a workshop that a friend of mine had organized um, Angelic Breath Healing with Madeline Giles who's from the States but she had come over and connected with Jane and they were putting on this workshop together and I had just started a podcast so it was 2015 I had started this podcast and Jane had said oh you've got to meet Lisa she's just self-published this book which ended up being Code Red which is all about menstrual cycles and very much from a kind of psycho spiritual perspective and I think I had kind of gained this reputation of talking about things as like a North American, British people can be like, maybe very delicate about certain things. And so I had been gained this reputation as the brash North American who was talking about periods and being horny. And so she's like, you've got to, you've got to chat with Lisa, she'd be great for your podcast. And it opened up my world so much to learn about the phases of the menstrual cycle and eventually kind of aligned my life with them. And so as I became a parent, I just really wanted to share this work. I think it has a big impact the potential to have a big impact and kind of easing some of the load of family life. So what, you took a
0: workshop, but what like led, did you have like issues with your cycle or you had, you know, like, did you have like emotional things or physical things Mm. come? Because there's always something that spurs people into it, unless you're just totally guided to be a teacher in that field.
1: Yeah. So I had had, um, Previous to all of this and previous to living in the UK, I'd had a series of mental health crises. Um, and you know, like as a teenager, had been diagnosed with things like generalized anxiety disorder and chronic depression. And I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, not because those things don't exist, but I think often we don't look at some of the holistic and societal things that are causing so many young people to have these issues. So I had taken medication for those um crises with limited success. And as I read Lisa's book, I realized that I was having this experience of at least once a month having such a profound low moment in my cycle that I was worried that I was having a mental, another mental health crisis. Things would feel so hopeless. I would have such in, like deeply low moods, feelings um, sometimes of even suicidal ideation, and then my period would come. But I was not in any way like tracking my cycle or even linking it with that necessarily. Um, at the time. And then reading her book really opened up my eyes to all of the ways that I was pushing myself so hard, all cycle long, really going beyond my capacity sometimes and getting myself into this cycle of burnout, but also potentially having an experience of premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, which is when between several days to a couple of weeks of your cycle, you experience these essentially mini mental health crises, but on a cyclic and kind of ongoing basis so through her work and then it just became this thing where I just gobbled up everything I could read about the menstrual cycle was going to workshops was tracking my cycle was doing trainings um really learned to change how I approached my life to align with the the four phases of the cycle and many of those challenging symptoms disappeared you know um difficult like period pain um, but also the emotional components And even in places where they would still sometimes kind of revisit and come up again I felt like I had the kind of tools and mindsets to understand what was happening to give myself a whole lot of self-compassion and to kind of move through it without with a with a knowledge of like this too shall pass rather than like oh my gosh am I gonna have to go see the doctor again um but when I had my son well a I didn't have a period for I don't know, a year and a half. So I felt a little bit adrift without it. And since then, I've learned a lot about the energetic phases and seasons of pregnancy and postpartum. So I sometimes coach women through that too, because there's such powerful initiations in those energies. But at the time, I felt a little bit like I was floating without my cycle. And then when my period came back, when my son was about seven months old, so much of what I've learned about menstrual cycle awareness, I just couldn't figure out how to make it fit into family life. I was so... He was so dependent on me for his needs being met. I wasn't sleeping a lot. So the idea of like resting during my period felt kind of like a joke. And I knew that there must be a way to use this knowledge that I would gained that felt so, you know, it's wired into our bodies. It's part of who we are. Um, so I really became began this process of experimentation of what it could look like to parent through this cyclic lens. And I ended up going to, do the training with Claire as well, because I really wanted to go even deeper and be able to share this with other families. And slowly over time, yeah, I've developed a framework for living in tune with our cycles, even amidst kind of the less dependable Well, I think there are dependable flows within family life, but it's people's needs are coming at you from different directions sometimes and so it felt really important to me to think of okay how can we really honor our bodies and our cycles through our lives as parents but actually there are all of these ways that I think our families can benefit by really attuning to the cycles their own cycles the cycles of the seasons and teaching them from such a young age what it can look like to flow a little bit more through life rather than feeling like we have to be super consistent we have to be pushing and hustling all the time.
0: So when you began to map your cycle, did the thoughts, intrusive thoughts at the beginning of the cycle begin to go away? And did you ever take any progesterone or take any supplements or change anything else like your diet or anything? Was it just emotional and like watching your cycle or was there other components that you changed in your life?
1: Yeah, I would say that, uh, my life has had a pretty big overhaul. So, I, okay, so so back up, yes. So those were coming kind of, those feelings were coming kind of at the end of my cycle in the premenstrual phase. And then I would often get a real relief from them as I bled. There could be a real energetic building up of tension in the premenstrual, and then often we get a bit of release, even if our periods are difficult, as for some people they are. Um, I would say that, no, the, the tracking for me feels like a first step. I think it builds so much self-awareness around what the patterns are. And I think then that can be helpful in and of itself for the kind of mindset of this too shall pass. You've the idea that it's really impermanent and you can give yourself that grace of maybe like, okay, I'm, I realize I'm having one of those days. So how do I shift my schedule a little bit? How do I give myself space to, I have less capacity. So how do I give myself space to do less? But I've made a lot of changes in terms of, um, working to balance my hormones, heal my hormones. Certainly lots of parents postpartum experience a big shift in their hormones. And often, unfortunately in our culture, we're not nourishing ourselves and taking care of postpartum mothers in the way that they need to like rebuild their bodies and for their hormones to kind of balance out. So we're seeing a lot of people with postpartum depletion, and then this can kind of snowball because it's not addressed generally in your postpartum medical care it's not addressed and so over years it can snowball and create a lot of imbalance so I um I've done a lot of things one of them that is uh slightly controversial I was vegetarian and then vegan for over 20 years I started eating animal products and meat again and um really focus on eating hormone balancing plates so a big focus on getting enough protein eating loads of vegetables um, being conscious of always eating carbs with meals, but pretty um, conscious of what portion works well for my body type and eating animal products made a massive difference in my hormonal healing and my energy levels and how I felt day to day. It obviously won't be the right choice for every person, but I think we need to be really conscious of the fact that being vegan is not inherently more moral. It is not inherently cruelty-free and there's nothing inherently cruel about eating meat. So if we can take some of the moral baggage aside and just acknowledge that different bodies need different foods and specifically in different phases of life that made a big difference for me. Um, do you, I can think, ask a question around that? Yeah. So I do think that
0: a lot of people, I don't think this is your case, but I do think for a lot of people's eating disorders get mixed up within like gluten-free animal-free, And then there, there, it's like such a mind, I don't want to say the F word, but like, it's like you believe yourself. So to be so true, these belief systems about like what I can and cannot eat are just a hidden control mechanism, neurotic thing. Sometimes they're real, but sometimes they're not. And so how much protein did you begin to eat? Was it, you know, up to the hundred grams per day or because that's what you really need. Or is it like, and how did that change your body? Like, what did you see within your physical, like mind, body, spirit when you started to eat more protein?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things there. I think that is absolutely true. I never would have identified as having um, an eating disorder per se, but I certainly think in different ways, I fell into disordered eating patterns sometimes, and certainly could swing towards that kind of orthorexia of being too obsessed with like everything being really healthy, Um, you know, to the extent where it kind of affects your mental health. I don't think that's where my well I became vegetarian when I was 11 it really was this like bleeding heart childhood attempt to try and right some of the wrongs in the world but as I grew up and started to think about how I want to connect with the natural world and our place in the natural world as humans it started to make less and less sense to me and of course I think we need to be mindful of how much we're consuming and where we can, wherever possible. But I think we need to remember that we're part of nature too. And our health in the web of life is important to the health of nature because we are part of nature. And I do think it's very difficult for people with periods during their fertile years to get their nutritional needs met on a plant-based diet. And what is that kind of long-term health issues? What is that going to mean for our overall health as a species and as a part of, of the web? Um. So I aim to always eat at least 25 grams or closer to 30 grams of protein with my breakfast within 30 minutes of waking or sorry, within an hour of waking 30 minutes would be ideal. It's not currently fitting uh, our family life, but an hour is um, kind of where you want to be in that that will alone make a massive difference to your hormonal health, your energy levels throughout the day. Um, your blood sugar balance, which is going to have a huge knock on effect to kind of the types of foods you're craving, how full you stay from each meal. And then again, I'm aiming for that 100 100 to 120 kind of grams of protein per day. Do I necessarily hit it each and every day? Probably not. But um, try and base my meals around getting to there. And I had had a really hard time like I wasn't actively trying to lose weight necessarily, but I certainly did not have that experience of like breastfeeding and then the weight just melted away, like people kept saying. Um, but when I started eating animal products, they did. I since um, gained a lot of weight due to a, an injury I sustained and that's an ongoing recovery journey. But yeah, my mel- my my weight kind of stabilized to what it had been previously with no other effort on my part. I had so much more energy. I got like, not like um, obsessively, but I got into a workout routine that I really loved and found myself building strength much more easily than I ever had before. I had more energy. My libido felt like it just kind of came back online. Um, My husband, who I think did better on the vegan and vegetarian diet than I did, but even he said he just felt like kind of more vital and alive and like more energetic again. So it made a big difference. For all of us.
0: So, did that help you? And your did that help your cycle? The, I think the so. Like premenstrual syndrome.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I don't have that kind of premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. I don't experience those symptoms anymore. Occasionally, you know, we're all going to have fluctuations in mood and energy, and every single aspect of our beings, basically, because we are cyclic and often in the pre-menstruum. So I think I think the animal products and the, the balancing of the hormones helped a lot. I think also consciously working with your cycle, you start to learn these practices and tools and rituals for meeting what's coming up emotionally. Because a lot of the time, if you're having that big emotional downturn in the pre it may be that there was a lot coming up emotionally that you've been pushing down the rest of the time, and that your kind of hormonal, your hormones being high kind of creates this emotional resilience where you can tamp it down. And then you get to that place in this cycle, where you have to meet everything you haven't been facing. And if it's a lot that you haven't been facing, then it, it does come in that really overwhelming way. And of course, there can be physical and physiological components of that as well um and if people are seeking other treatments um through their doctor then that can be you know a wonderful pathway as well but there are other pathways that can be complementary to that so having some ways to really meet yourself to actually process and sit with those feelings and feel them and let them go that that was a big game changer for me as well for sure you know
0: i remember like 15 years ago that I didn't know anything about this at all, but I just started to do spiritual work and then spiritual work within that area through, you know, just energy centers. And I did a lot of work and I remember my period completely changed by release. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, we know this, but people that are listening would be like, what are you talking about? It, it just did. It changed my cycle. It made it lighter. i never had pain. And it was the easiest thing after that, after I released all those emotions there and it was nuts. And then after you have a baby, it's much easier for whatever reason. I mean, physiologically, but also I think when you are pregnant, you work through a lot of stuff for mm. each child naturally. Each child has a goal to get you to a certain point, I think, and will like release anything that's not going to have you be that type of person for them. Um, but have you ever, when you work with women, do you ever recommend like beef liver pills?
1: So um, taking beef liver pills can be a great way to get because so if people don't know this liver um, and depending so um, chicken liver is very very high in is higher in iron and beef liver is higher in vitamin A but both are high in both and people call it like nature's multivitamin they're arguably the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. So beef liver can be uh, tablets you can get it it's like they dehydrate it so that it keeps as much of the nutrients in po- as possible intact. They grind it down and they can put it in tablet form. Um, they are quite pricey. So if you actually want to go out and buy organic um, grass-fed liver, you'd save money. And I know some people will recommend they chop them up into pill-sized form and freeze it and they swallow them that way. We make um, a chicken liver pate, which my even my fairly, uh, well, he's not so picky anymore, but my six-year-old will eat the chicken liver pate, but beef liver tablets can be a great place to start getting some of those nutrients that are really essential for your cyclic health. Because let's be honest, like it's totally fair if liver makes you squeamish. I still get my husband to chop it up most of the time. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know about that. And then I, I
0: saw some girl talking about it. I mean, I kind of knew, but she swore on it, and then she—I um, don't know if she like read the book the Real Food for Pregnancy, mm. which is a great book for anyone. Really good.
1: Yeah, we I mean, still use the. Like, we all know those happens.
0: things, but it's just sort of you know. And in that book, she kind of even debunks alcohol in pregnancy and makes you know like it was almost like I don't maybe I didn't read it in a certain way, but it was like diet coke's worse than alcohol, <laughs> red wine. I mean, like it just it was just interesting the way she wrote it. But one of the things was beef liver. And this woman that's, I don't know, she's on Instagram and she has thousands of followers and all she does is prescribe, like to to tell them about beef liver. And there's all these people with all these that have had so many miscarriages and so much infertility and so many issues. And then they start taking, you know, I had two chemical pregnancies and started taking beef liver and it was just such a healthy pregnancy later, but I don't know, just amazing. So For anyone who's listening that may need beef liver in their lives, it supposedly clears your skin and makes your cycle better, but I don't know enough about it because I've never had cycle issues. So I was just curious if you'd heard that.
1: I would be skeptical of anyone who's selling you anything as like the silver bullet of health. If you take beef liver tablets, but then you're eating like frosted flakes for breakfast and skipping lunch and mostly subsisting on coffee and then getting like a greasy takeaway for dinner and that like, that's absolutely fine sometimes. But if that's your daily existence and you're taking beef liver tablets, I don't think it's going to make a massive amount. difference. Um, With clients, I'm generally focusing on, you know, obviously eating as largely a whole foods diet as you can, eating like a rainbow of vegetables as much as you can, and then adding in those really nutrient dense foods. So like lots of bone broth and liver. But I will assure you that we always start with giving heaps of kind of acknowledgement of all the good things you're already doing. And then we slowly add in more good things. So like a beef liver tablet could be a great place to start for someone, but just be aware People on the internet want to sell you lots of things. And so if they, you know, if that's the one thing that they're selling, um, I'm sure people have great, have had great success in it, but generally we want to take a more holistic approach to looking at and your most of lifestyle these people, and diet overall. If, they,
0: if they've been suffering from miscarriages or infertility, they're already doing all these other things. And then you totally. add one thing on you're like, it might be that, you know, and you never know, but you're doing so many things to change your life that you don't really know which one it is. Um, Absolutely. Now, when you're teaching somebody to track their cycle, what do you do and and how do you teach them to change their life within their cycle?
1: Right. So this is, yeah, it's a longer term process. I have some great free resources on my website. If you want to kind of see, like I've put an example of my own cycle tracking, giving you lots of overviews of what the four seasons of this of the cycle are and kind of what's going on both physiologically but kind of more emotionally and energetically as well and then some different methods for tracking but basically what cycle tracking is is you count day one is the first day of your period when you've coming having a full flow of bright red or dark red blood so that kind of pinky spotting that some people get at the start of their cycles is um not count it as day one, we count day one, the first full day of your period. And all you're doing is making a note of the day of your cycle, right? You're you're on. Um, You might also want to put the calendar date. I like to put the lunar phase. You can get really geeky with some different like astrological details. And then you're just taking some time to really tune inwards and consider your inner landscape. And you can just do that by something as simple as writing down one to four words that kind of encapsulate your main energies that you've experienced today. So maybe it's that you're feeling kind of anxious and stuck, but also like you've got a lot of energy or um, I really like to use the four bodies check-in that my teacher Claire Baker Uses as well. And so that's just thinking about what were the main things that you experienced physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So for something like mentally, it might be like the pace and the quality of your thoughts. Like were they really loud or were there kind of more chill thoughts today? Or is there a lot of inner critic stuff going on or did you feel kind of expansive and creative? And you might have multiples of those on any given day, right? We contain multitudes and spirituality. I. Include anything like my own connection to source and divine, my connection to myself, my connection to others, my connection to my creativity. So depending on how you define spirituality, and it's not that you need to write pages and pages about each of these four bodies. Sometimes you might be in a really prolific and self-expressive phase and you want to do that. But just even one or two uh, sentences, summing up what stands out to you the most in terms of each of those experiences. And the key thing that I have to tell people again and again is just trust yourself. Trust that what you notice about your own experience is what needs to be noted down. And it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be anything like prolific or like you don't have to be having this grand insight every day, right? The magic is in doing it every single day, sitting down at roughly the same time every day, making these notes. And then after two or three cycles going back and starting to look, okay, what phases, what are the patterns, right? In in each of the phases, what am I noticing? How are my needs changing? How is what I'm feeling changing? Are there places that feel really sticky and challenging? And could I think about maybe how life is out of alignment with that phase of the cycle? And then just really slowly starting to make some changes, right? Often, It's going to be about needing to slow down in the second half of your cycle. After you've ovulated, how can you start to even just bring a greater sense of breathing deeply, going a bit more slowly through your days, even if there's still lots to get done? Can you take some little 10-minute breaks and go have a lie down? That's often where people, (laughs) there's usually not the sense that like people are doing too little it's often about how can we clear out some space in our lives but really just sticking with cycle tracking for a couple of months two or three months the self-awareness that develops can be so profound for people that that will start to create some shifts and you will really be reconnecting with yourself and your intuition so naturally that often those little changes that are going to make a huge impact make themselves known pretty clearly And then do you ever have women track what they're also eating during that? So
0: we're bringing in the protein. So, you know, if they're feeling these things and they start to change their diet and they start to change their activity, I mean, it, it will be hard to see which one is which if it's like the tuning in, the changing the food or the understanding your emotions, but do you ever do that and see, like, if I add a little more protein here, I add this, then I take less coffee.
1: Yeah. So often we'll do, um, a food diary, especially at the start of working together to just get, especially unfortunately as parents, I often see people who are skipping breakfast or they're kind of subsisting for the first half of the day, just on coffee. And that's going to have a massive impact on your hormones. Most women are not eating enough to fuel their body. And yet they're going to have this voice in the back of their mind that somehow they're eating too much. And, you know, there's all that societal programming that comes in so a food diary can be really helpful not necessarily every day of their cycle for the whole time that we're working together but one or two weeks of a food diary can give us a lot of information to where to make some small tweaks it's also really helpful if you've made a change like for example you've started not drinking coffee till after breakfast or you've started eating 25 grams of protein with breakfast and to make a note of that in your charting like i started this this day and you might want to just like make a note Um, you could even have a symbol like just put a star on every day that you do it so that you don't necessarily have to write down everything that you've eaten but you'll keep a track like okay actually after two weeks of doing that I did notice a big difference Um, with the breakfast thing I would almost guarantee that you will notice a big difference like immediately (laughs) possibly that day some people really struggle with having enough appetite in the morning to eat a protein rich breakfast and that is not an indicator that you're not hungry it's an indicator that you've trained your body to go out without food at a time when it really needs it and kind of pushing through and forcing yourself to have breakfast, even if you have to start small and build up to that 25 grams of protein is going to serve you really well. So yeah, keeping a food diary can be helpful. Just being mindful if that, if you do have a history of disordered eating, if that is triggering for you at all. Um, and it can be helpful to do all that, obviously with a coach to make sure that you are getting the the bigger picture of everything that you should be getting. And how does this
0: change when someone's postpartum and their cycle's coming back?
1: Yeah, so there's um, cycle charting can technically be for everyone. And I think charting through pregnancy and postpartum are really beautiful ways to really stay in tune with yourself because that can be tricky for some people. And also to just really, I think that the trimesters of pregnancy, although they are like the, the dates of them are an arbitrary medical creation but i think this trimesters of pregnancy do have energetic initiations kind of like what you're talking about how our babies do as well right but really um looking at and processing that fear that often comes up early in pregnancy and all of the other energies that you meet is such a powerful way to really honor your matrescence journey your journey into becoming a mother and I think it's such a shame that we still have this real stigma around talking about early pregnancy. And it's obviously up to everyone's personal intuition and preferences, how much of that they want to share. But because it can be such an emotionally vulnerable time, having a supportive community around you who you can process that fear with can be really helpful. In terms of how you would chart postpartum, anyone who's not um cycling at the time could always borrow the lunar phases for their charting. So using the new moon as your day one can be a beautiful way to still have that kind of 28-ish day rhythm. And you can just notice whether, because it may not be aligned to the moon phases exactly, but you can just start to notice whether throughout a kind of lunar month, are there patterns that you're experiencing? Are there shifts happening? Are you finding like some people experience that their postpartum period is kind of an extended inner autumn or inner winter, or are you, you know, I sometimes felt like every day I was going through the seasons, but like through the cycle of the day, I was experiencing all those energetic shifts. And it will um, also help if you want to know when your period is likely to come back. Often the energetic, as your body starts trying to ovulate again, you may start that you're actually having like, feeling like you're having a mini premenstrual time even though your period hasn't come back yet. And if you choose to chart it, keeping track of cervical mucus, you can start to get a pretty clear idea of when your period might be making its comeback.
0: Okay, so you're saying to catch it, you don't get pregnant again quickly.
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't rely on that because right. <laughs> um, you're probably, yeah, but it's just, if well, it just depends how nerdy you get about your cycle. But yeah, I would, <laughs> I would be using protection from the, get-go I know people whose periods have come back very quickly um, and it you know they were exclusively breastfeeding and co-sleeping and all the things that they say will extend the kind of postpartum period so yeah I wouldn't rely on it as birth control but just as um as a process of that self-connection and that self-awareness I think it's helpful to know because I think it shifts how we want to be in the world and um, what we might feel ready for or not ready for
0: um, I apologize. Someone's doing the lawn outside. That's what's a little bit of noise here. But tell me, give me some examples of the women that you've worked with and how it has changed their life to start to, you know, track their cycles, change their moods, you know, their family, their body, their weight, the things like that, their self esteem.
1: So I think a huge one is being able to get their own needs met in family life. That's a thing I hear from parents over and over again is that like, they feel like they disappeared inside their family life. Everyone's needs come before their own. They maybe are someone who like consumes a lot of self-help content or like follows a lot of like wellness and self-helpy kind of people on Instagram. And they have all of these things that they'd like to be doing, but they don't even get to pee alone. Right. And so working together, we're really able to find the ways to first start boosting your energy because Let's be honest, when you do get five or 10 or half an hour alone, if you're just so scraping the bottom of the bucket, you probably do just want to watch something on Netflix or scroll on your phone. And trying to have the kind of mental energy that it takes to do something like workout or meditate might just feel like it's not there. So we, you know, people feel like a really big boost in their energy that then we can work together with the cycle to find those places where they do have some space to pour back into themselves or to start asking for the support they need to start pouring back into themselves um another thing that comes up really often is i think parents especially get a lot of information or a lot of judgment thrown at them right it's like no matter what you do someone is judging at you for it and i've never in like any other area of my life felt like people had so much entitlement to have opinions of like what you feed your kid or when and how they go to sleep and all of these things, there's going to be someone who thinks you're doing it wrong. And so there's this real sense of self compassion that I see coming in my clients. And it's so beautiful, because I don't think that people would sign up for cycle coaching purely for that, even though we should all have a great sense of self compassion. But you know, we want the tangible things, we want to reduce the symptoms, we want to feel more energetic, we want to hopefully like reconnect with that magic inside us but this real sense of self-compassion and this real trust in themselves to make decisions for their families and how much energy you reclaim by no longer worrying what everyone on the internet and everyone in your extended family and community thinks of your parenting choices it's a mad it's amazing the amount of mental clarity but also just mental energy and space that comes back through that um and I think just a greater sense of flow and ease in family life is another thing that comes up again and again, right? It's so easy in modern life for our days to just feel like a to-do list and we're trudging from one thing to the other. But when you can really get in touch with this sense of flow inside yourself and a really deep connection to your own needs and a real clarity around everyone else's needs. Yeah, there's this flow and ease that we're able to create together that I think has such beautiful ripple effects for the entire family. And then
0: like for just a basic example for people that don't know, you start your cycle, let's say it's just an average 28 day cycle. It's regular and it's, you bleed for five days. What would you, I mean, in general, how does the cycle move in a way so that, you know, do, when do you rest? When do you not rest? What kind, you know, like how do you, educate on energy levels throughout the cycle in general
1: um so i think the, the thing that i want to say is that uh in all of my work in the lineage of the work that i come from we follow what we call the big red rule which comes from alexander pope and shawnee hugo willitzer who founded red school and the big red rule is that um above anyone who's written a book on menstrual cycle awareness, above any, you know, cycle coach you're hearing on a podcast or watching on Instagram, you are the expert on your body and on your cycle. And so obviously, we can provide education about a kind of archetypal cycle and a biologically healthy cycle, right, where you're ovulating regularly, and all of those things. But ultimately there's going to be great individuality in the cycle. And ultimately what I see is we all need more rest all cycle long. So traditionally the kind of advice is that you want to, so you're you're bleeding, your period stops, you move into pre-ovulation where your body is preparing, is releasing the hormones to help your, um, your body release an egg, which once the egg is released, you've reached ovulation, which is kind of the highest energy point in the cycle. Although for people who are experiencing depletion, there can actually be a kind of real crash there as well, because it is a very resource intensive process for your body to ovulate. And then after you ovulate, there's a sharp drop in hormones and you will over the course of a week shift into your premenstrual phase. And there's a real slowing down there. Your hormones are lower. You're getting progesterone. So we talk about estrogen as this, this, which is at a high point when you're ovulating, and it's this kind of like wanting to go out and see all the people and do all the things and be in the world kind of hormone. And then you get this rise of progesterone in the in, in the premenstrum, and it's like the Netflix and like literally chill on the couch hormone. Like it's wanting you to be more of a homebody because if you have gotten pregnant it wants to protect that early pregnancy. And so there's this real cocooning energy and this real, if we're able to meet it, I think people experience it as this real tension and this real low point, but often that's because in modern life we're constantly pushing past it, we're staying busy, we're not resting. But if we can slow down and meet it, there's this real cocooning energy, this real desire to finish things up and get things done so that we can rest more when we bleed. So resting as much as you can when you bleed, but ultimately I think most of us are overdoing it all the time. So it's not as, it's not completely a matter of, you know, if you can rest at this point, then you can go, go, go the rest of the time. All of our bodies are so individual and getting sufficient sleep and good quality sleep all cycle long is again, one of the big linchpins of hormonal health, unfortunately for us as parents. Mm-hmm.
0: And then what about for pain and menstrual cycles? What do you usually feel that's a natural thing that someone can take that or do for painful cycles?
1: So again, it's gonna depend on the level of pain that you're experiencing. Like obviously, I'm not a medical professional, and so I can't treat or diagnose that for you. If you're experiencing pain where it's you know, to the extent where it's troubling you to get out of bed, um, and able to function in your daily life, I would recommend that you seek out a qualified, um, functional medicine doctor or naturopathic doctor if you have access to those. Um, but the womb is contracting during your period. So not to the extent obviously as when you are giving birth, but it is, um, there is going to likely be sensation there. And for some people, they can experience that more or less intensely based on different factors. Again, over time, the kind of lifestyle practices that you put in place, changing your diet, getting enough movement, even things like getting um, enough sunlight in your eyes outside every day, um, yeah, not drinking caffeine not an empty stomach, all those things are gonna support you in hopefully reducing that pain. In terms of, yeah, if it's a fairly mild discomfort, I like using a hot water bottle. I even have this womb wrap so I can strap a hot water bottle around my waist um, in the house during the day. There are lots of lovely um, herbal teas you can get in them with something like cramp bark, which can be really helpful, like natural uh, pain relief. And again, if you, the more you can slow down, sometimes if, if people are really trying to push it still with high intensity exercise at that time of the cycle, I try to do very little movement other than gentle walks for the first three days of my cycle, and then keep it pretty gentle until my bleeding stops completely. Our bodies are always trying to communicate with us and it will really depend on your individual lifestyle what's being communicated. And again, that's why it can be helpful to work with a cycle coach or to really dive into this work to just try and see, okay, what is your body? Because your body's always trying to achieve balance. It's always trying to be well. It's always working so hard for you. So what is it What is it asking for? And how can we meet that in a way that is doable within your life?
0: And what about teaching children when they first start their period, or not children, like young adults, like what do you say to them? or yeah,
1: no, totally children though. Okay. What age So much about this? And yeah. So I taught my son what a period was when he was two, because he asked um, at that age, he would still like could open the door and would like toddle in. And he's like, mommy, you're bleeding. And I was like, yes, but I'm totally okay. I'm not hurting. And so I have a blog post on my website about this. Um, but essentially what I started telling him was that, you know, I have a body that you know, it, it grew him, and he grew inside my womb. And every month, my body kind of prepares a little nest in case it's going to ha- get have a baby that needs to grow in that nest again. And when, because we're not having another baby, um, every month, the nest comes out, and then the process starts over. And so I think as children get older, we can add in more of the language. Um, we have always used like anatomically correct Body language with him, but I also wasn't going to say endometrial lining to a two-year-old and expect that to kind of sink in. So we kind of used an analogy and um have grown that language with him. So on my blog, I've got a few different ways at different ages that I would maybe introduce this language. But he was always just like so fascinated and wanted to see where all the cloth pads were because they have pretty different colored fabrics. And it just, I think to me, shows how, of course, that period sigma is completely constructed by society to him it's this normal natural fascinating process and that's what it is um so i'm actually doing a training next year with first moon circles which are period education circles for children who are approaching menarche the first period so between ages of nine to twelve and I'm really excited for that because I'm excited to work with more young people in person again, but also because I think a lot of the people that I work with, and I know myself included, had a pretty profound grief when you find this work. I mean, I think I was 27, but it still felt like I had gone through 11 years of having a period, or more than that, yeah. Anyway, a significant number of years of having a period where it felt shameful and dirty. And I didn't know all of these kind of superpowers and gifts that it had to offer. And that feels like a real, like being robbed, I suppose. And so the, the thought of meaning to help young people have this information and do things differently feels really special. So I think it's important to teach both young boys and young girls and non-binary children. Every, everyone needs to know this information, right? Because. A lot of the times it is young boys who are shaming young girls if they have an accident at school or anything like that. And let's let's try and change that for the next generation. Right. So I think if there's ever questions coming from a child, it's never too young to start um, talking to them about it. And I think if your child, um, if you have a young girl and she's reaching that eight, nine age, Unfortunately, there's research that a significant percentage of children, I think more than 50% didn't know what was happening when they had their first period. No one had ever talked to them about it. And it was terrifying for them, right? It was scary. They thought they were dying. So having those conversations as early as you can in an age-appropriate way. There are so many great books out there. There are first moon circles all around the world now, which are um, really fun and empowering I think it's yeah, it's an important thing to think about.
0: I didn't even know about first moon circles. That's crazy. I didn't even, I you know, I wouldn't have been thought of that. But I would, but it's kind of something I wish that somebody would have taught me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like emotions or like nobody, you know, sat with me. I did, and that was my journey of finding all these things and writing my books and and finding all these great teachers, which was the fun of it. So, yeah. Yeah, but then if they are taught these things and they can go find new information, you know? (laughs) Right, yeah,
1: and they have the potential to go so much deeper with it. And, you know, even just things like there are so many great options for period care now, um, reusables, but also even just like, I remember the first time using a tampon and being like really confused about it. So in a first moon circle, um, there are different ways to get to kind of see and interact with these period products before they need them so that they don't feel scary and intimidating. Cause it's just a natural part of taking care of our bodies.
0: Great. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to teach us before you go or how do we get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, well, you can find me on um, social media, Sarah stars, underscore, there's two R's in stars and sarastars.com So there's a free ebook on my website and a few free downloads that will kind of get you started with this kind of work. And just know that it can start so simply. It it only takes two or three minutes a day to track your cycle. You could put a little journal on your nightstand or wherever you sit for your morning breakfast. Just let it be so easy. And don't let how easy it is to start fool you into thinking it's not going to be powerful because (laughs) my friend Clara always says, tiny things can have big consequences like mosquitoes and homeopathics, like this tiny practice that you could start today can have really profound impact on your life. It certainly did for me. And I wonder if we just spend a minute right now and do a cycle check-in that people could kind of get a feel for. So what I would do is I would just take a few breaths right now, close your eyes. I always like to have a hand on my heart and a hand on my lower belly, but you don't have to. And just take a few breaths to really allow yourself to center and turn your attention inwards and just do a really quick reflection of how you've been feeling today. Let anything bubble up. It could be persistent physical symptoms you've had today. It could be strong emotions or thoughts or just a particular energy. Maybe you felt kind of jangled and agitated or maybe you felt really serene and calm or somewhere in between. But just spend a moment now, whether you wanna find a few guiding words, or a couple of sentences. And when you found whatever's inside and making itself known, then the next powerful step of it is to write down your cycle day if you know it. If you don't, you can um, still keep charting and figure that out on your next period, but just to write it down. And over time, having that pattern will show you, it will show you so much of what your body's trying to communicate with you. And I I think create a lot more self-awareness and self-compassion. So go forth and cycle chart. Yeah. It only
0: takes like a couple of minutes.
1: Yeah. I think that the, we can worry so much about, oh, it's going to take forever. I don't know what to write, but just really let it be simple and let it evolve from there. Okay. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Have a lovely day.